<clears throat> Hi folks, a couple of episodes I discussed sugar addiction and um, I've shared that episode on my page this week and I came out to my mother the other day about sugar addiction and how it's like Alcohol, heroin, smoking, it's literally like any of those forms. Um, When you have an addiction, you know that people's advice kind of goes out the window. And it has done for years. I used to tell people, you know... Now stop nagging me, you know, if I'm, if I'm fat, you know, it's because I eat unhealthy things, basically, so, you know, um, I, I used to say that, I used to say people stop nagging me, I still, I still say that to an extent, um, I had fatty liver, um, a few years ago, and this kind of goes into the full food addiction thing. Um, this is not just about the sugar addiction. Um, I did a couple of episodes sugar addiction, but we're going to cover that in this episode too. So we're going to cover the whole thing. We're going to cover how sick I got. We're going to cover the warning signs. We're going to cover the, some of the things that I watched. Um, some of the rock stars that I look up to. Um... And that's even in the title of this episode. Um, you know, um, that food addiction isn't like living like a rock star. <laughs> um, but I think since lockdown, it's kind of been like rehab. If only there would be a rehab for people who had, you know, the sugar addiction. And it's... By the way, this episode is going to get quite graphic for those people who are eating. There's going to be certain parts where we discuss the eggy burps full in depth, being sick, um, a lot of that discussion. Um, if you're not used to, if you have quite a light stomach, um, also mood, um, there's going to be talk of suicidal thoughts. Well, they weren't suicidal thoughts, but very dark thoughts. And by the way, there are links on my Facebook page for those who are on the Facebook page to uh, some of these things. Um, there's even the documentary I watched when I was 15 stone four. um so i'm gonna get into that and i'm gonna start i'm gonna start right from the beginning so i was at the time i'm gonna start from before thomas edison even invented the light bulb um so basically i'm gonna start when 
I was... Um, so at this point I'd have just left college or I've just, I've just started. No, I was, I'd have been in my last year of college, I think, because when I used to do diets, I remember when I started Henshaw's, I was literally the way I am now, which I'm not going to tell people the way I am now. Um, until after Christmas, because, um, like next year, I'm hopefully, when we come out of lockdown, I'm going to have to do most of it on my own and, and be, you know, kind of responsible for it. But, um, I think, you know, um, there are questions you've got to ask yourself. Now, when when i when i look to the very beginning of addiction i was must have been about 11 uh, must have been about 13 i'd finished i'd actually finished my music Degree. That's where we'll go from. So I'd finished, not my degree, my music uh, diploma. So I'd finished that. And I went to do um, maths and English. And I went from being 13 stone to being 12 stone. Now, of course, we have no records of this, but I do remember of me doing a diet of some sorts. Okay, so I ate kind of healthy, you know, healthy foods and stuff. Um, and that's when I did the stunt of licking the chocolate-flavoured condom. <laughs> um, I'm putting that in the show notes. I have a clip of that somewhere, but unfortunately... Um... <laughs> <laughs> for copyright reasons <laughs> we we it was when I, it was when I did that gig um in the middle of Chapel Street I did it <laughs> so um and at the time I was trying to deal with a, a split up of of a girlfriend and people were like Steve what are you doing and I remember friends of mine I like refused a Twix bar. I like, I was as high as a kite, and this person wouldn't even let you know sit me down and stuff. So anyway, yeah, uh, that's a long story. Made even longer. Um. So I left. So I then started the maths and English course. Left Henshaw's. Uh, left Hubert College. Um. The dark spiral opened uh, because September of 2012, um, I began the life which was to become the dark life. Um, a dark lifestyle um, 
so from September, I would go and I would, I, I went and hang out with some people. I'm not going to mention their names here on the on the podcast. Um, but I basically hung out with some people and I began. We used to go out a lot. I well, I mean, I went out a lot anyway. I went out Monday, Wednesday. And then I went started going on the Fridays and Saturdays. I went on the Tuesday and Thursday as well, so I was in out every day. Now I drank uh I drank about four days of the week. Um and I on the weekends I would eat we'd go to this takeaway on the way home and I would eat bad. So we had Christmas, we had, there was Christmas dinners on top of that, drinking on top of that, going to takeaways, and everything else on top of that. Well, January came, and it was going to be the day of my nephew's christening. Um, and my mother, I was DJing for that, but I think what really topped it all was these trousers didn't fit. And my mother screamed. She was like, what have you been eating? What have you been eating? And, um, yeah, I'd had takeaways on the way home. Um, so... As a New Year's resolution, my mother was putting me on a diet. First, we were going to go Weight Watchers. Then we were going to do Rosemary Rosemary, Rosemary McConnelly. And then Slimming World. Oh, boy. Um, And I remember two weeks into January, I was like, oh. And I went into Slimming World... Now, bear in mind, um, I felt on my own with this because I thought when you do a diet, a lot of women are on diets. It was like a feminine thing. Sorry for my chauvinistic, um, being a chauvinistic pig at this point, but, um, you know, I thought diets were for women, so... I um I decided that I wouldn't go on a diet. So then um you know when you put on a diet I went into the room and there was a, a my mummy said to me, you know, men men do Slimming World. In fact, I can tell you for a fact, very few men do Slimming World. Um, I watched, and I'll link, um, I'll find it, the, there's um, a Kevin Chapman video, a guy I've subscribed to, I'm going to link that in the, link that in the Facebook, it's going to be on the Facebook, that, and you can go and watch that. 
and Kevin Chapman states that it is a crash diet. Now, Slimming World is okay to do for two weeks. And, you know, really, Slimming World, it should be a guide. It should be, you know, the the, the things that are in Slimming World, you should go have, you know, you should, like, for example, like with Slimming World, for example, um, you know, if I was a Slimming World consultant... I don't think I'd make a very good one because I'd be saying to people, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be singling out. If I saw a very fat person in the room, I'd say, I would single them out and I'd say, look, you have been sent here by your doctor. I have got an official doctor's note. I'm going to say, look, I'm going to give you something that's pretty high in sins, but I want you to do it. It's called the Slim Fast Drinks. I want you to have toast for breakfast. I want you to have, for your evening meal, I want you to have, to start off with, I want you to have something that will fill you. So maybe something like... Um, you know... Look at an all-day breakfast without the sauce. I mean, the beans, they're in tomato sauce, but they seem to... You know, Slimming World's, Slimming World's a bit of a messed-up diet. And here's another thing. Mushy peas. Apparently, they're not on the list of sins. I argued this with my stepdad and Slimming World consultants. I challenged them to it. I'm going to tell you now, mushy peas are loaded with sugar. Absolutely loaded with sugar. If you're on SimWorld, you shouldn't be having them. However, if you're going to have your fish and chips, you've got to have your mushy peas and your curry sauce. So it's like a treat in a way. But if you're... Um, I'm... I've spoke to loads of people on Slim World who I've spoke to. I remember one guy who came to Slim World, and he was the only people a person that agreed with me about the mushy peas. But you know, it's like the mushy the it's the 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 the, the Slimming World pea soup is the only chicken and pea soup. Is the only decent Slimming World meal, and um, seriously, if if you're gonna do Slimming World, you know I would say look, maybe have your Slim Fast drink for lunch, and then for tea, have your chick have your chicken and pea soup with mushy peas. When you have your roast dinner. Have child-sized portions. Do all that, basically. So, um, so before, so basically, we, um, we, um, we did Slimming World. 
that first night, there was a load of women. I got weighed. I was 15 stone 4. But we knew that before Slimming World. Because I had been... Um, so I went slim well and no we got, I got weighed in and and I lost, I lost a few pounds, you know, I lost, I managed to lose it again, I managed to not eat sugar, but the first week of Slimming World was hell, right, so we'd been in that night, we got weighed and everything, got the book, they spoke to me about what you could and couldn't have, and the first week of Slimming World was hell, because, um, the first day of doing it, I had beans on toast for lunch. Um, or breakfast, I think it was. It was for breakfast. My mummy was home. And for breakfast, I had beans with toast on the side. Because a few days before, a few days prior, I'd joined Slim World. Um, I used to get a biscuit with my lunch. Oh, that stopped. <laughs> I didn't get crisps either. Um, but anyway, for my breakfast, I had beans with the toast. It was a cold day as well. I had the beans with the toast. Um, I had a sandwich. I can't remember what was on my sandwich. But then for dinner, for tea, oh, we had space food. But I... There was no gravy or sauces with it then. Um, and I didn't like space food back then. And um, Dad was like, what's wrong? What's wrong with your dinner? And I said, oh, Dad, I hate this. And he went absolutely mad. Um, oh, that was the second day we had that. The first day we had... I can't, we had something nice. And um, mummy said, instead of your takeaway, she said, if you get hungry, let me know and I can do Slim World chips. So we got outside the Medio Kebab House. Um, I should be mentioning names of places. on, But anyway, we got outside the takeaway and my friends went in and they had their thing. And I sat there and, oh, gosh, they were eating in front of me. And... and People eating in front of you. That is a thing. Um, but obviously when people eat in front of you. And you can't have that thing. When people constantly eat in front of you. And I, I hate people eating in front of me. I hate it. I still. I still hate it. <laughs> still. Um, it's it's torture now. It's It's been torture for, for years. Um, even though I watch people when they do reviews on YouTube and they eat stuff, that doesn't bother me. But if there's, if I'm sat in a room and someone's eating a something 
that really bothers me. But we'll come to that because um, I kind of want to discuss. So um, I rang mum up and I said, mummy, um, I got. I waited until I was in the car and I said, have you got the Slimming World chips on the go? And she said, yeah, I've got the Slimming World chips on. So I was, I'd get home and have the Slimming World chips and it worked for a few days. But day two, let's go on to day two. So day two, my mum had made me um, for lunch because I'd go to my grand's and I'd have something at my grand's, um, as you do. But this day, um, I had... Um, my mum packed me this tuna salad and um, it was terrible no it was salmon salad it was fish with salad now bear in mind I love fish but I've got to have it with chips I'm not a massive fish lover you know tuna sweet corn fine but I'm not a big um I'm not a massive fish lover. Let's put it that way. You know, fish and chips. But I'd rather have, you know, ham or something like that. And uh, this one piece of bread with it. And my grand watched me eat it and she was like, Stephen, you're not enjoying that. I was like, Graham, I was like, can you throw this in the bin? <laughs> so we threw it in the bin and uh, my grand made me beans with toast and she really felt sorry for me and um, I had two rounds of toast with the beans and oh that made me feel better and as the day went on I got home and that was the day I had the rubbish tea and my dad really had to go at me I was like oh you know so when I went out that night I was like Screw it, I'm having a takeaway. <laughs> you know, the following day, which was the Sunday, we went out and I was like, I'm going to have a small, a kid's size portion of roast dinner, which worked. Kid's size portion of roast dinner. That was easy. Um... So, that was the first week. Um, second week, I can't remember what I did. Did I? I'm trying to think. But anyway, um, as the weeks went by, I was snacking subliminally. I was sneaking chocolate in. You know, and so then it got to the point where Slim Will wasn't working. <clears throat> Excuse me, and Mummy said, "I think your thyroid, you've got a problem with your thyroid." So I went to the doctors, 
and that. And they did a blood test. And that's when they rang up and they said... It's not good, basically. Um, I'm just going to warn you now. You might want to skip this part of the podcast. Um, So, there's a bit of a warning here. Um, People are telling me that... That was it, you know. You're going to... This is the end. And I thought, what? And I would, I thought, what if I've got four weeks? Well, those four weeks came and went. And I went for a scan and it turned out that I had fatty liver. Now, I didn't know much about what happens when you get fatty liver, but I did, you know, we did research and stuff. And um, fat on the liver isn't good. So, I had to stop drinking because alcohol damages the liver. Um, If you've got fatty liver and you have, you drink alcohol, it's no good. I had to quit drinking. I had to, I didn't have like a problem with drink, but I had to, I couldn't have a pint anymore, Um, which was terrible. Going into pub and not drinking at all was the worst and that only lasted for two years that lasted and I had to the second when I started drinking again um, I had to do it subliminally Um, because people would have a go at me if, if they knew I was drinking and it, it worked for a while. I did it for two years. I'd only drink if I went away, I went on holiday. Um, I never drank. When I, I can't remember when I started actually drinking properly again, but um, the worst one was when we went we went to uh, we went to Devon, and my anti gig kind of told everybody, and I was like freaking out, you know, can't you just let me tell them because it's like I didn't really want people knowing my business, and there's another thing, you know, when people go on and on. Um, it's like, seriously, it's like, 
if you know something, if somebody's ill or whatever, it should be their reason to tell them. And I don't think some of the people in Devon liked that. Um, what my antique gig did. They probably don't like... I'm being paranoid, but anyway. Um, at the time, I just thought, gosh, it was embarrassing. And my mother told them a lot better, but it's just like, freaking hell, gig, shut up. <laughs> you know, I'm telling them myself you know, um, which I did, um, so, um, so let's skip back to when, the year where I was 15 stone four, and, uh, I had to drink a big bottle of water every day, I think it was like a one litre bottle, and, it was this huge bottle full of water and I had to drink it. Every single day I had to drink water, every hour. And I got bollocked every time I wasn't, you know, drinking the water. But I was like, you know, I don't want to, I don't, I didn't really like water. I'm like, and I'm, I'm sipping it, you know, I'm sipping the water every few minutes and I'd be sitting on the floor And, um, I know, um, I get tired very easily and, you know, I really enjoy my naps when I get to have them, but, um, there was this one day I was just really tired, really exhausted and I just crashed out for no apparent reason. And uh, I got to roll it for it. So I went to town and... Uh, I went to town and uh, bought myself an ice cream. <laughs> That's how I did... That's how we dealt with things back in those days. We went to town, we bought an ice cream. <laughs> um... But it was like, and my bedroom was in a mess as well one day and I'd been and done a gig somewhere and I came home and my mum was like, I hope you're not staying out all day if you're leaving your room like that. So I was like, I'm going out having lunch and then I'm, I'm coming back to do my room because I hadn't had lunch yet. So I went out, had some lunch, came home, did my bedroom, <laughs> then I can't remember what I did after that, but I went out that night, so... 
it was like, because I was going out every night. And that was the thing, I was... I was, I was in a lot. Um... I was in a lot when I was supposed to be out a lot and uh, if I didn't want to go out I'd go out anyway or whatever but um, anyway so that's what happened um, and then my first Duke of Edinburgh um Duke of Edinburgh practice was the worst weekend I'd had away because it was like I'd been a I'd been a weekend away before that actually because um I went to Weston Supermare to do something for action for blind people. So yeah. Western Supermare, but I was in my room and I had my last cider or whatever, and that wasn't a good night because I had people phoning me up all night and stuff like that. So, um, I know that when people seem to. You know, when they seem to look at, you know, sugar addiction, well, food addiction, they seem to think, well, it's, you know, it's it's not something that I can, I can get over pretty easy. Well, food addiction, there is a way. First of all, you need to ask yourself... What what am why am I addicted to food? People used to ask me stuff like, "Why are you fat?" I used to laugh at them. <laughs> what 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 sort of a freaking question is that? Why am I fat? You know, I'd turn around with a question like, "Why are you thin?" But I would now I would say, like, if, if people said to me, "What what makes you addicted to food?" Um. I think the fact that I couldn't have certain foods, that was like one of them, uh, one of the reasons. Um, another reason was I liked, you know, the soothing fact, you know, the sweet fact of the food, but I also liked the high kick that it gave you, you know, that some some foods gave you, not all. You know, if, um, you know, um, some foods, if you had those foods, you'd be on like a high, you know, it'd be like, you'd be up there with the birds, you know, woo, you know, but that only happened for a very short time, (laughs) a very short time, um, but people would say things like, 
I've heard things like move a step back from the table, you know, move away from the fridge or that kind of stuff. It's not a case of that. It's a case of, you know, it's it's the niggling. It's the... Um... And I watched uh, another documentary. I'm going to link two documentaries on my page. Um, the... One when I was 15 stone four. In fact, I've, there was one thing I forgot to mention. When I was 15 stone four, um, this one day I'd really annoyed my stepdad. No, it was, it, that was another time. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd come back to, I'd come back from a gig and I came to, it was that day I came to tidy my room. And, um, I was sat on this messy floor in a messy room. I had this massive one litre bottle of water full to the brim. I was drinking this, this water. And this one day I was sat in a messy room. My mind was a mess as well at the time. I was sat in this messy room. 15 stone four. I was sat on the floor of that, of my room. I had the this drink of, of water by me. And each time I was sipping the bottle. And I was thinking. What if I can't lift myself out of bed? What if I'm like this, this guy in, in Guam? What if I'm like that? Um... What if I'm like that? Okay. What if I had to... My stomach was really, really big. The, the point where I can't move. I have to have people lift me out of my bed and stuff like that. Um, it's horrible. It's disgusting to think. And... Um, I had a dream where my stomach was so big I couldn't lift myself out, out of bed I had a dream about that that was not on that night that was a couple of nights after you know and I would have probably have to have ventilating machines to help me breathe and um, it's all very depressing I know but this is what addiction does That you know you have the dark side comes and the dark side goes and you you know, and you you don't, you know, you have, it has its down points. Um, but another thing as well is, um, the ups, the highs tend to become more lows later on. You tend to become more, food becomes so much of a comfort that the bad foods, they're like, they're the comforts, but they're also the bad points. Um, like Monster, the energy drink. I was so addicted. I mean, um, I do still drink Monster to this very day. And... 
Um, who knows, I might use it as a meal replacement for a month. <laughs> um, I will only do that as sponsored. And um, I need to think about this. Because I think, you know what, it could be... It, it is, like... It is a meal, a great meal replacement. Um, but I'd have to tell my mother, you know, it is, it is a meal replacement. It's instead of a sandwich, you know. Um, and I would have it lunch times. I'd make sure that I wasn't exercising it. I mean, I probably could, but I'd have to drink water. Um. Before I exercise. To make sure that I'm not going to crash. Because it's like flying and crashing. Um, you're having that sugar and caffeine hit all at once. And it's the... You, you, you want to make sure that you don't crash. So you don't treat Monster as a drink. You treat it as a meal. I've been telling people not to do this, but I've thought about doing it again. <laughs> um, but anyway, back to the second documentary, which I'm going to link, uh, which is, it's about um, people that have, um, it's about people that have... An eating genetic disorder. I've forgotten what it's called. <laughs> oh, brilliantly. It's called My Child Can't Stop Eating. I thought I had this. This thing. And I've met people with this disability. And they're not like that in the documentary. But when I watched that, there is a guy in it called Sachin. I want you to watch this guy in the documentary. This guy is very like I was with certain foods. If I had a packet of biscuits, um, you know, I was like, no one else could touch it but me. It was like my stash, you know. It's like... You know, and I have spoke to people who have been addicted to other substances, mainly weed. Um, I've spoke to people on that, and when they're high on it, you know, they, it's their, you know, it's like their twenty quids worth. You don't want to touch it with, you know, you don't want to touch their peop, them people. And I was like that with food. So there's a guy in this documentary called Sachin. The other two people, there's one person called uh Katie, the other person's called Rebecca. They've basically got these three people with it. Um and I want you to watch this documentary. And there's basically just one person I want you to focus on, um, Sachin. I was not that aggressive, but I was, you know, I couldn't really share a pack of biscuits. I probably still couldn't, but 
you know, those biscuits, ma'am. You know, um, Smarties. Um, but I want you to watch it. There's some subliminal, <laughs> subliminal messages in there. Um, another thing as well that I want you to watch, um, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna link a few documentaries on the page, on the Facebook page, um, uh, because I don't know how to do them in the, in the, um, in the, in the, uh, podcast description. <laughs> um, but I seriously want you to go watch them and be shocked. Um, that's my, that's what I want you to do. I want you to watch it and think, that's me. That's not a personal documentary. I want you to think, that's, that's me or that's how I could have felt. That's, I want to walk you into my mind at the time. I want to walk you back through those dark times. Um, the, the, uh, the, the, my child can't stop eating. I watched that, I watched that in September and then in December I was ill in church. And then in uh, the last week of December, when I went to Harrogate, that was when I threw up all over the flat. Someone's flat, basically. Yeah, it wasn't good. Um, and I've been ill since then. And... I thought the other day, while making this recording, um, I thought, you know, I've been on a spiritual journey, and I do, I've said to Imaginary Andy yesterday, uh, sorry, this morning, um, you know, that the eggy burps, really, my body was just telling me, I can't do this anymore. And, I, and I've also thought that my anti-gig is... Addicted to sugar, but she will probably never admit it. And yeah, it, she will get a shock one day. She just hasn't had it yet. The, the thing is with addiction, your body changes. Everybody's body is different. And if people are going to say we won't be physically ill with this, how wrong? And, and mentally... You'll be mentally ill as well with it. It'll make you... It'll... You know, it's... um, It's one of those things. But, hey, I really wish that people could take note of it. It's going to be hard. I mean, you... Um, you will know when someone's addicted because they won't listen. They won't take note. They won't heed warnings. <laughs> but the most important thing they will not do is they will not they won't heed your advice you can give as much advice in the world like oh your blood sugar's going up you're going to get diabetes all this shit right you know make them aware obviously if you if you care don't stop nagging but i would i would approach somebody like this you know, have you got an addiction? Because I think you've got an addiction. You know? Let's try and find a way to 
get you off this. Now, the slim fast drinks, I'm going to say this, right? The slim fast drinks would work because the chocolate one, the chocolate one and the vanilla one. Oh, I had the vanilla. The slim fast. I remember uh, mummy. I tried every slim fast drink and I said to mummy, I'm going to try the vanilla. And mummy said, this one is one that Sarah gave me. It's an expensive one. But also, right, why not try, um, because I'm going to be, when we come out of lockdown, I'm going to try um, getting the uh, the protein shakes. But I'm going to try the low-fat ones. And I'm going to try some of the really nice flavours um, as a snack and have them down as a snack. And, you know, I know people say don't drink your calories, eat them. But, you know, this is a thing, right? This is a thing. You know, imagine you've got a bank, right? Imagine you've got a a wallet full of cash, right? And you've got a bank. And people say, right, you can use every diet, right? Um says you have so many calories a week that you can use, right? Now, Slimming World uses it very differently and in a very dangerous way, um, which is, you know, which is basically why I don't really like discussing Slimming World. But the Slimming World uses it in a way of you've got sins, you use these sins at the right time. Basically, you use these sins in a way because, you know, Slimming World... And like I say, Slimming World's great for two weeks, but it's it's a very dangerous diet, and Slimming World want you to be on that forever. Um, and my mum is is basically one of those people that's like a Slimming World fan, you know. And I'm not saying that Slimming World, you know, I'm not saying those things on Slimming World won't help you lose weight, but. They won't sustain that weight weight loss forever. But weight loss aside, addiction. You need a sort of a um you need a sort of a methadone. You need something that's gonna help you get off sugar or help you get off the craving or or help you manage it better. Um so I would say slim fast drinks or protein shakes. Um Probably slim fast drinks to begin with and then try protein shakes. I'm going to do the protein shakes because I've done the slim fast drinks and I know they work. Now, protein shakes may... I wouldn't say go for the full fat ones because they're going to beef you up. You don't want to be beefed up. You want to be getting away from it. Um, And don't just go for a general milkshake. Oh, man, they're gross. I hate milkshakes. I'm not a big fan of them. I've tried... Other milkshakes. I've tried the really nice milkshakes, which are pretty nice, but I'm not a milkshake fan. And don't put marshmallows in the milkshake. Oh, freaking hell. Yeah. I've tried it. Um, So, yeah, go for a good protein shake. Um, You know, go for a really good flavor. I've heard the... uh, the cookies and cream one is really nice. So that's the one that I'm going to get. <laughs> if, I, if I'm going to... That's the one that I've heard. 
Um, I have tried that one before and really liked it, but I didn't like it as much because it was a cheaper version. My mate Oscar got it, but um, yeah. Um, again, if you're on Slimming World and you have a sugar addiction, and you're on Slimming World because you're again your first two weeks. Um, just stick to the slim fast drinks, but then go to the protein shakes, you know, towards the end. Um, but again, and also I'm going to keep promoting that the slim fast drinks and protein shakes and stuff like that are not dangerous. You know, um, you can use meal replacement drinks. You know, there's people out there that are, um, they're suffering from eating disorders where they're, you know, struggling to eat. And also, there's people out there that are scared of food. Yeah, they're scared of food. So these meal replacement drinks, they've got all the nutrients that a person needs. You know? Um... Within that diet. You know. So you'll need to look about what a person. What a person eats in a week. And then you're like. You know. Um. But anyways, we're trying to sort of like, if someone's got a sweet tooth, how do you, how do you go around it? How do you, how do you, well, I think you should drink your calories. You know, I think you should drink them. If that's what works for you, if that's what, you know, if you're going to work them off um, a lot more. I think if I had... Protein shake. Um, right now, I'd be able to work that off pretty easily. Um, you know, because it's just liquid. It's like I'm still drinking my my ginger beer every every night. I'm still drinking my ginger beer. Um. I drink the low-calorie one, which has got artificial sweetness in, but that's still got sugar in. That's got, well, you know, hidden sugar. So it's still laced with sugar. Um, and I still drink that every night, you know. But I'm not... You know, I think when you... I think with... Everyone's body's different. And I think with some people, they can eat their calories. Some people, they can drink their calories. It just depends. And it's like what's going in a lot faster and... You know, um, and some people will be addicted to it. I remember a lot of. I remember one of my friends said to me, "Don't, don't give him coke." You know, um, I was like, "I, I want coke because it's non-alcoholic." Um, I did have the coke, but I used to have. Um, Arguments with my friends about alcohol and 
This is all about beers better because it's got. A beer is actually, you know, let's look at on that subject. But anyway, let's get back to. So, yeah, the protein shakes. Um, try and get one. Out. I mean, I'm not sure. I believe there is a couple of good ones. I have had a protein shake before and I really enjoyed it. Um, but, yeah. Um, so you need to find something that's going to get you through the day. It's going to give you that hit. Um, you know. And probably have your sugar hit every once in a while. If you need one. Um, it's It's one of those... You know, and obviously it's it need you need to keep it needs to keep you going. If if it's something that's gonna make you exhausted partway through the day, you know that's you know where you're to, you know where you're crashing. You know you're at crash and burn stage. Um, that's when you need to go. Oh, hang on, I need to. I need to change something. I don't know what I've what I've done. I've not really focused, but I know I know I made a few tweaks here and there. It's not just been eating the cakes and biscuits, but it's other things as well. And I've not been thinking like when's my next meal. Um And I've been also thinking what's the most important thing to do? And stuff like that. At the moment I've been thinking more about. Escapism. Which is a strange thing to think but. That's one of the reasons why I. You know. When I can. And. uh, Monday I'll be able to get further with the escapism I'm actually going to see if the no Monday I'm going to town and back and Tuesday morning um once I've been to you know got comfortable knowing that I go town and back Tuesday I'm gonna walk around and see if um I want to see if the pier's open and if it is I'm kind of run down the bit of the pier, uh, which I'll have to do a little bit of a video of, and I'll post it on the audio blog page. Um, but yeah, I'm going to check the piers open. So the new ritual will be in the morning, go down the pier, um, in the afternoons, do football, go around the block. Um, weights, football, around the block. A lot of my friends, though, they're really jealous. You know, the stuff that I'm doing, it's like, whoa, wish we could do all that. I'm like, we well, could walk around the block, but they can't do stuff like the gym. And so I really feel 
very, very privileged. I've even spoke to people that have been in some really bad situations before lockdown and and now that they've got like a garden and stuff and so um yeah so folks um that's the end of this podcast i really hope you have enjoyed it and um I was talking to my mother this morning about sugar addiction. And um, you'll know if you got a sugar addiction because you won't be as strong-willed. And, yeah. Oh, guys. How I have not come on here and spoke for quite some time and reasons have been... Well, I didn't come in here yesterday and the reason was on Monday we had um, my sister's birthday on Rachel and Anne's birthday on, on Monday and um, I overloaded on sugar. Um... It was my fault. I put it in my mouth. I didn't have to have it, but <laughs> um, I just kind of want to say, like, I had two pieces of cake, um, and I also had some cider as well. So, and I had other things as well. So, I kind of have to know that this is my come down. Being sluggish is. This is it. Yesterday was the physical. Um, I didn't have the eggy burps, so don't worry. But I didn't feel sick or anything. But I didn't feel hungry. And um, I did eat. I did make myself eat. And I made myself drink. Um, and the only thing I wanted at the end of the day was the ginger beer. But... Um, Today, however, um, I woke up kind of sluggish and not wanting to do anything. And I'm worried that I could fall back any moment. So today, I'm going to fight like I've never fought before. And um, make myself just physically, you know, just push myself on physically, you know, physical boundaries. We're, we're in the summertime. This is a time where I struggle. We also have my first... Uh, bar- I had my first barbecue on Monday and the tradition goes in summer when you have barbecues <laughs> um, you know it doesn't go down well from you know in the summer period um, but I'm hoping you know that that's the reason if it is and you know probably just you know, and I did only have one sausage bun and one burger, and I'm so glad I didn't have anything else, <laughs> even though I wanted something else. Um, 
in the end, the um, I mean the the, uh, the alcohol did its worse. Plus, I'm I'm making a post at the end of the week. Um, I don't wish to make it now, but um, there will be a post on today's Facebook page, just to say, you know, that it isn't easy. And I'm still battling sugar addiction. It's like anything. It's like, you know, you go back to something. It's, um, you know. And I think there are people that are totally deaf. They don't understand the words addiction. I don't mean to be cold, but it's, uh, yeah. I don't really want to, uh, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not angry. Um, I don't want to make it sound like I'm angry, but I was, I was speaking to a couple of my friends in town um, when I was on my stroll and I told them and they just didn't understand. And I just think people won't understand it because I don't know. It's hard to admit. But I also feel that, you know, sugar is is very recreational. It doesn't give you a proper... um, It doesn't give you a real high. It doesn't give you a real boost. It doesn't give you a boost of energy. It just doesn't, you know... um, and so, yeah, I just think that, you know, and, and plus I'm not doing anything where I need a big chunk of sugar. I'm not, you know, I'm not revising for exams or I'm not climbing um, a massive mountain or something. And the problem was, my sugar high started late. It was like, it didn't kick in until the morning. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know. But um, I just want to tell you guys how I'm feeling, you know. I think uh, it's good to kind of bring the dark side out. And so people kind of know. I'm not miserable, I'm upset. It's just... How I physically feel, not how I mentally feel. At the moment, I'm thinking about a lot of hippie stuff at the moment. I'm thinking about a spiritual window. I'm thinking of how I can boost my creativity. Boost my imagination. And try and not let anything cloud those um, things that I have. Um, You know, and I...
I personally feel that when you have like a sugar addiction, there is always that come down that nobody ever ever talks about and um today I'm talking about it on the podcast but also um this podcast's going out quite late this uh, audio blog's going out quite late because you know and also I'm not struggling with lockdown I'm not you know um I've heard of people whose mental health has really really deteriorated. The mind of a burger we'll put in episode five I keep saying this, but um tomorrow morning we are putting episode five out. Episode four episode four and five are going out on YouTube. Episode six and then we're gonna do a brand new series um after we've done those episodes there's going to be a brand new series that comes out and there's going to be a, a, a proper blog and everything for it um because i just think that's what it needs it's 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 what it needs it needs that um new breath of life to it um it needs to go it needs to be something that people can go and access even if they haven't got Facebook accounts and stuff. Um, it needs to be a place where people can just come and they can have a look and, and stuff. And also, um, you know, we're going to be discussing how we're going to build the community, hopefully through um, through YouTube, because people can use YouTube. Um, I'm sure, and you know all the educational content that we're putting out there, and people can comment on on the podcast and go, "This is great. This is you know what we want and stuff like that." But I've heard that people are just struggling mentally with with the lockdown, which is understandable because it's like it's like going into space, you know, almost. It's like sort of a simulation. You know, it's like, it's, it's, it's a new reality that we're facing. It's like, you know, when, when the lockdown started, it's like the grieving process and people struggle with grief. And, uh, with the first time you sort of upset and angry, but you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, I was upset, but I was more confused because um, at the time I'm writing a book, and at the time I was I was doing more writing of my book than ever. Um, I had to take a huge break because I did struggle not with the fact that what the hell am I going to do, the fact that it was like waking up and everything just felt like a dream. It just felt like a really bad dream. You would wake up and it was like it was like you 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 didn't know what was you know i didn't think this was real i really didn't think this was real you know you would turn on the news and it'd be like people social distancing and um 
you know, people couldn't hug each other or touch each other and everybody had to wash their hands and and it was like... But that wasn't the worry, actually. The more of the worry was if someone's going to get it, you know, if you if you get it, you're going to be okay, but if you pass it on to someone else, they could die. And I thought, this is strange. Like... This is just not normal at all. You would, you know, and it, it's kind of like you'd get on the bus and, you, you know, I was never frightened to leave the house. I was never frightened to, like, I went out the first, you know, when this was happening, when it started. I still went out, I still went to town, I still did my shopping, I still did this, I still did that. I... You know, but there was people that believed. My next-door neighbour, who's a lot older than me, he was more frightened than I was. You know, because we went out and... um, We had a good few arguments through the week. He said, what if you bring this home? I'm like... You know, I was like, well, I'm not going to. (laughs) That's That's like a selfish thing, but I always thought, well, you know... I've come home, I'm fine, everybody else is fine, you know, and it's like, well, a few days, it took a few days, but then I realised that, you know, and I just thought, you know, if everybody's fine, you know, and this is like the first few weeks into lockdown and everything, and everybody's fine, you know, But I do believe there has been people have had the virus. And they've been cured. And the only answer is isolation. Self-isolation. It's the only answer. And... um, I don't believe a vaccine's going to cure. You know, it's not going to mag- it's not going to magic everything away. Again, that's what the media want us to believe. Mainstream media. Um but I just that's what I wanted to say and um so I do understand people who are mentally struggling. Now, there's going to be people out there that will question their mental health. Not everybody's going to question their mental health. There'll be people that are going, oh, I'm normal, so screw me. But then there's people out there that have never, ever questioned their mental health in all their born history. They've never thought about it. They've never thought, you know, they've never thought about mental health. They've just thought, I'm okay, I'll I'll get through it. I'll get through Life, that's fine. And then all of a sudden, this has all happened. And these people, they're the type of person that reads the news every day. They read too much into it every day. And suddenly, they turn around going, you know, what if this happens? Or what if that happens? And I stopped reading into it very early on. 
because um, I just thought, you know, but you know, it's what people believe. But if there is people struggling to have starting to question their mental health and stuff, the first thing to do is to talk to people and um, this day and age you have no excuse you've got you know internet these days is like it's cheap I mean it's not like back in you know the beginning of the millennium when you know your internet bill was literally eaten up by the you know the the messenger calls or whatever you took um so of course if you're not on facebook or messenger there's other ways but make sure you phone somebody and and say look i'm really mentally you know i've never first i've never had depression in my life i've never had anxiety in my life ever And now I'm having a problem and I can't deal with it. But some people may be struggling to talk. And this is a piece of advice I'd also want you to think. You know, meditation um, is the best form of escapism you'll ever have. You can escape into a different dimension that is just completely free. Um, completely non-existent. And it can be spiritual if you want it to be. And there's there's a thing, you know, like escaping is a very um, important thing to do, to try and escape from normality to the best of your will, because um, it's just so... um, Chaotic. You know, for some people, I know people are struggling because they find that going on holiday is therapeutic. They can't do that. You know, they can't just go out to the shops, they can't just go to the pub. And it isn't enough for a lot of people. That's what people want. And so, um, my my advice is, you know, um, if you're struggling with your mental health, I mean, make sure you get plenty of fresh air and stuff. Make sure that you go into the garden. Make sure that you, um, I mean... I mean, the reason why isolation hasn't bothered me is because I remember a time before I went out anywhere where I had to rely on people to take me places. 
that was a very dark time. Because I was always in my bedroom a lot and I didn't have... I wasn't even on the internet back then, so it was a bit more of a darker time. Um, but I had things to do. I had my cassette players. I had my, had my world almost. I had my computer. I had my... I had what I needed, you know? And that's the thing. You have your resources. You have your own bubble. And you have to kind of create in that bubble what you have. I mean, it's it's not like solitary confinement where you have absolutely nothing. You know, you've got a phone um, and you've got the internet, you know. Um, you know, and it's, it's very difficult because you can't just go out and talk to a neighbour across the gate unless they're two metres distanced. You know, but um, it's like but I personally think what they should do is let the people out with mental health problems first they're the ones struggling the most. Because um, then it would be, it's, it's the best form of medication. Socialization is the best form of medication you can ever have. Just being with people, just being around people is, you don't realise, you know, people don't realise. And I think people in the mental health industry need to learn that as well, that, um, you know, you don't need these drugs you can have, you know, certain people need certain drugs, but I think the best, I think the most important thing is to make sure that there's people there, enough people, um, because it's, uh, it boosts, um, It it just it just makes it just keeps that person well, you know. Um, But yeah, I just, I, personally, that's how I think. And I also think that, you know, 
we should think about what who does you know like for example the government what do they do for us if they don't do anything for us you know well we don't need to we don't need to listen to them because you know you just hear something on the news oh well such and such has done this whatever fine you just hear the words everybody can go out now everybody it's safe to go into a pub it's safe to have a meal it's safe to do this it's safe to do that once you hear those words um it'll be I mean, when everything opens, everybody is going to be out there like crazy. I do understand there's going to be a lot of people that's going to be scared to scared to go out. There's going to be more people working from home. There's going to be more people more conscious on, you know, scared about germs and stuff like that. But to be frankly honest, um, I think just the general public will be out and about doing what they did before. This this time next year, and I always say this, this time next year, they'll be going, Corona, what? You know, you know what was all that rubbish all about? That's what they'll be saying next year, this time next year. That's what they'll be saying, that's what people will be saying. Yes, I do think we do need things like two-week isolation periods. Um, you know... I think, you know, businesses could, um, certain businesses could, say, close from, say, December till February, you know. Um, I think some, some places could open a bit more later. Um You know, but you know, I think we need to have that isolation period where people have two weeks off and then everybody goes into, you know isolation for two weeks or you know you have shops and everything closing just the essential ones open for two weeks and then that's it um because those two weeks um You know, everything would clear up in two weeks. Everything would be, you know, 
I've actually seen pictures of last year on Facebook. And the sky's all, like, murky and stuff. And then you've got, like, pictures of this year where the sky is all lovely and clear. Like, hardly a cloud in it. Even. And it's just, like, beautiful. Hi, guys. Welcome back to the Sugar Addiction episode and me talking about sugar. And I kind of want to be honest. Um... I kind of want us to be honest here, and when we come out of lockdown, I am going to seek help, because I'm still addicted to sugar. And I want, I want an answer. I want an answer for sugar addiction. I want an answer for, you know, another way that I could, you know, still have the sugary foods or whatever, but just kind of get help and know. I think I would be in a better place mentally if I knew that I could... um, get help for having, you know, the sugar addiction type thing. I think kind of knowing that I have it. I mean, I thought in the early days of, of the sugar addiction that I had uh, Prada-Wheelie syndrome. And I, you know, and I feel like an animal at times. You know, it's like... When lockdown started, I felt like I was I was going. I was. I know people when they don't have something, they have cold turkey. But for me, it was like a freezing cold turkey. I dreamt of having sugar every night, and when I could have the sugar, oh boy! And you know, and I kind of, you know, but I think. The things that niggle at me. I know there are things that bother me. Knowing that I can't have it or if it's there. And there are things that I have to write about and stuff like that. And things that I have to rant about. And it's not that I don't enjoy sugar. It's that when I have sugar. Like I had the Kinder Bar on Monday. I was going to have it on Thursday. And I was thinking today, walking around the block, why? Why did I have? Why did I eat that Kinder bar? Why? You know, why did I not just wait? Why did I not hold back? You know, okay, I was pissed off. Something ramped me up that day, but still, why? You know, I paid for it the next day because I had the cake on top of it. And I just think, I and I know, I can't just have a bit of cake. I've got to have, you know, and that's why. I get ill, but I really want to try. And if there are any doctors and nurses listening to this podcast out there, get hold of me. Um, 
get hold of me, message our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash audio blog. Um, if you find the page, please message it. Message it. Um, if you find this podcast, listen to it if you find it. And um, I know when I don't have sugar, I know that I am not as exhausted. Like now, I'm peckish because I'm waiting for tea and I can't wait for my tea. But when you have, like when I had my sugar addiction, I was thinking, when I had my breakfast, I was thinking when's lunch. When I was having my lunch, I was thinking when's tea, when I was having, you know. And I still, um, I don't think, I don't, I don't get exhausted, you know. I still enjoy my tea, I still enjoy my lunch, I still enjoy my breakfast. But I just think, you know, if I thought all the time, oh, when's the next thing, when's the next thing, when's the next thing. It, 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 it exhausts you, you know, you have lunch. Then you ha- you're exhausted having lunch and then you have tea and you're exhausted and you, you, you just, you're, you're exhaustion, you're mental exhaustion because you're burnt out mentally because the addiction takes over. And people can say to you things like, always leave the table like you want, you know, more food. Oh, what is it? Always leave the table like you want some more that is a load of bullshit to somebody who has an addiction that is a load of bullshit um you know there is food still on the freaking table um you know and the the you know the person should just have have it, you know, um, it's, it's one of those things, it's like telling a a cocaine user, oh, there's a bowl of cocaine on the table, but you can't fucking have any more, you know, um, you know, bowl of cocaine on the table, you've just snorted a bit, you can't snort any more cocaine, that's it. And you just pull, you know, just imagine that. Um, and I obviously, I don't, I, I'm not, by the way, um, I, if I'm not, um, I don't have any sympathy for anybody who's, who has that, but it's kind of the same thing. You know, if I was a doctor, I would have the same principle. Knowing. An addiction is a real monster. It's a real living monster. It's an invisible monster, but it's freaking real. And when we finish lockdown, I am going to go and um, probably get, you know, get some help or something. Because um, when I went to Harrogate, which I probably mentioned earlier in this episode, um, I was going to, my friend said, oh, why don't you go see someone? And then... I didn't have to, I didn't have to, so I thought, it's just me being greedy, but I think when it happens a few times and you think, do you know what, it happens a few times, whatever, um, isn't it about time, you know, 
the the warning is there. It's like you know the red light, you know. Um, of course, with a fully sighted person, you can give them. 